The Movie Hour, Episode 76, March 25th, 2010. Spoiler alert, the following hour programming may contain both movie plots and swearing. Seriously though, spoiler alert. Welcome all to the Roger Moore Final Four Movie Hour. I'm Greg Maloney, and I'm here tonight to discuss movies with my bestest, bestest of internet friends, my brother James and our mutual friend Jeff. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah. Going well? Going well? Did you like how I put it? You guys are like my internet friends, too. Like, you're my real-life friends, but my internet friends. Well, I'm glad I achieved that goal in uh, in both mediums. It's big. It's a very big one. It's a very big one. Speaking of big ones, I don't know if anyone's been watching... Jesus! The final... The final... The final four... Final four. Game freaking talk. March Madness. It's going to be Final Four soon. It's going to be our Final Four soon. March Madness, Michigan State. Moving on. Go alma mater. It's just a little little tidbit. Run right through for MSU. Yeah. <laughs> little uh, fun fact for all you guys writing trivia about our show. Michigan State. I like all those Australian bastards from St. Mary's. I think they're going someplace. Yeah, they love it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big one. It's gonna be a big a big dance, like they like they like to call it. And uh it's gonna it's gonna be fun times it's and be hard without a point guard. Hey. Just because somebody shatters their ankle. What he, what he, he just pretty much tore what? Like he tore, he tore his, his Achilles. Yeah. He, he Achilles. Achilles. Yeah, he's not playing. Yeah. Um <clears throat> but it's okay. Lucas will come back. Yeah. In different form. He will uh he will be there. Just like McKean Cleves came back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm ran D U I joke. D U I joke. <laughs> Mateen Cleaves drop. Oh, can you start over? <laughs> no, no. We'll move on like Mateen Cleaves did. Uh, right, right. So, are you guys are you guys watching your fair share of uh, of uh, March Madness? No, I'm a very fair weather basketball fan. If I have a team of interest in there, I'll watch it once they get to you know the playoffs or something. But that's it. Right. Outside I'm of the anyway. University of Michigan, who would be a team of interest for you, Jim? Um, in college basketball, not many people now. I bet you're a. But like, if it was Gonzaga, this, this is for like all basketball. Like, if the Pistons are playing, I don't watch them until they're in the playoffs as well. Gotcha. Okay, I dig. I um, I'm not. Uh, I like watching college basketball. I've done it very little this year. I get into the March Madness tournament. Um, almost every year, I, I have a, I have a lot of fun with it just because. Uh, Kids, it's just kids something, something to get excited about. It's something, yeah. The, the the dream shattered, the dreams made. The uh, you know the, the the Cinderella story more so than you see in like football or anything because some team can just totally come out of nowhere like uh, Cornell or St. Mary's and and just really really put on a show and and, yeah. and dazzle the nation and it's a uh, it's kind of it's 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 a fun experience. I really enjoy the March Madness tournament. Yeah, the whole tournament may be the greatest sporting event ever. That's why that's like uh, some of the arguments for uh, the BCS with or arguments against it is just people look at this tournament and think, wow, anything can happen. And schools that are, you know, big big name schools in the BCS just do not want to relinquish that chance. Where just some unknown team comes out and beats your ass in a game and just ends up moving on in like a tournament style final to the to the season. And uh, yeah, it's sort of a shame because yeah, it's a great. March Madness is a good we time. We should base some special. webisodes off this. Yeah. Webisodes. Podcast, sorry. <laughs> <Are> webisodes? 
Uh, he's he's already he's already I'm trying to work out my hip lingo. Yeah, thing. he's pumped. He's pumped for the hoopla. <laughs> did, did you put out an internet about this? Web all day to find that one. <laughs> He's still on AOL. He's still getting his service. <laughs> uh, right, right. Anyhow, we should move on with our webisode. To, uh, to Actually, to our... before we do move on, can I just issue a public apology? Yeah. If you yes. click on it, it'll stop saying you've got mail, Jim. Oh, I, it... okay. Interesting. Okay, all right. Uh, no, I just want to sincerely apologize to the room. It definitely should have won the most uh, <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> most unintentional comedy bracket on our first bracket because that was ridiculous. Do you want to? Are you going to talk about this more later during the reviews, or do you? No, want to no, I'm not reviewing this movie. Okay. I just right. wanted to give it a give it its due. Say that, yeah, it definitely should have won. It's crazy. Go watch it. If I had been watching it by myself, I would have turned it off in the first five minutes. But since it's, I was with you know, friends, also ridiculing it, it makes it hilarious. So if you do watch it's, it, make sure you watch it in company. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's drunk it? company. Yeah, we had. I what? feel like a, a couple of people that were with us, particularly a couple of your roommates. Feigned anger at us making them watch that movie. <laughs> really, though, they were happy, weren't they? Um, I don't know. Hard to tell. Hard to tell. I think the jury's still out on it. Anyways, yeah, it was a fantastic time. We had like what eight, ten people watching it. Fun. It was. It was good. Good times. Good times. Uh, anyhow, hi hunters. Hi with hoopla. Hoopla. I'm already. I'm already getting the beer mouth. The beer. The beer slurs. The beer mouth. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the third Transformers cast is growing. Oh, I hate this one. I can't believe I wrote it. Michael Bay said they have locked in Francis McDormand, John Malkovich, and Ken Jeong. Bay said he wanted more characters and more emotion in the sequel, and it appears he may have it. Bigger, more, yes! Yeah! <laughs> I have a feeling he just, like, pulled John Turturro aside and said, Hey, you know some friends that you can bring into the series? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, Totoro, you're, you're cool. Can we get some more? You're in some artsy some... films, aren't you? <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. I can't believe they're doing this. Yeah. Like, so can we do more comedy? Get that Ken guy. You know, the dude from The yeah. Hangover? Yeah, we like him. He's funny. Oh, uh, I do like Ken. I like all those people. I think you're right about the Totoro thing. That was an excellent call. It's like, hey, do you have any of those arty loser friends that want to make a million dollars real quick? Okay. That's good for everybody. Good There's for a – on a, a side Michael Bay note, they were talking about 3D films and his uh, – how Transformers 3 might be converted to a 3D film. Um, and – they were talking about. He's like, yeah, you know, I tried some of those 3D cameras that are just too big and clunky for my fast-paced action, and I just I lost it right there. And uh, it was I don't know. I, I'm really sad that they're showing up in this movie, but sounds like it's the real deal. Yeah, I heard he was going to do it in 3D and in normal HD, and then write a book about the difference. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, that's a big joke. inside joke. <laughs> oh man! Uh, next topic: Chris Evans has signed on to play Steve Rogers, aka Captain America. Shut it! Play Steve Rogers, aka Captain America, for the upcoming Avenger series. Evans is set up for a nine-movie, three hundred thousand dollar clams for the whole for the whole setup. Uh, the short list of the actors considered for the Captain America role included. Mike, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Vogel, Vogel, Garrett Hudland, Wilson, Bethel, Ryan Philippe, and Channing Tatum. Have we decided how to how to say Ryan Felipe's last name? Because I'm pretty sure Felipe. Felipe. I, I was thinking about learning it, but since he's not Captain America, then what the hell do I care? Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> so we we realize that this guy, if you've got the math, or if you've got this right, the math on this is he's getting paid 
$33,333.33333, repeating, of course, for each of these movies. Thirty-three grand for to make them to star in a in a major what is that Marvel DC Marvel I don't even Mar, in a major Marvel Jesus. comics movie like thirty what well, oh it's, have, did I ever say I was the comic book guy <laughs> I don't oh, know man like, drinks the other thing to consider though perfect. is he might not be starring in it uh, you're talking about the entire Avengers series which is going to be different roles coming to light in each movie like they're gonna be doing different stars and i think he's just gonna be a big name in the like he's a big big part because he's starting it and this is gonna probably define the rest of the series but i don't think he's gonna be starring in all of them i think what? He will. do you think he got paid to be the human torch in those horrible fantastic four movies i don't know i don't know i bet you it was Way more than that. <laughs> plus, wow. plus, it's a Marvel property, so they just ruined every any chance of like a Fantastic Four Captain America like crossover. Yeah, this is true. This Unless is he wants to like Van Dam it up and play two people. He could. That's a good point. Jerks blowing my mind. Every other always... question you bring up, Jim, it's just blowing my mind. Jerks and idiots. You <laughs> should have picked Ryan Felipe so we could learn his goddamn name. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't like all these names on here. Just didn't impress me, and not to mention I'm not that pumped for the whole series. Although Captain America is the ultimate super soldier, I just I just don't know if I can handle another terrible comic relaunch. Thomas Jane. Tom, yeah, you know we talked about that on this show. Yep. And Tom Jane came up, and I, and uh, who did I say? Uh, Eckert, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think either one of those guys would have made a pretty good Captain America. Not that I know dick about comics, but I know about America. Right, for, you do. You do. Which I thought, thought was funny since they're starting filming in the UK, but whatever. That's cool. Speaking of... Never mind. I was, was going to say, speaking of the UK, on another uh, hoopla note, did you hear about the Harry Potter set catching on fire? Yeah, it was sort of funny. <laughs> no. uh, excuse me. Apparently it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, I almost put it in. It was almost hoopla worthy, but I just want to bring that up. Excuse me. Next topic. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides will not contain women with fake breasts. That's right. No fake boobs. Uh, Disney released a casting call stating the following, and this is, I quote, beautiful female fit models. Must be 5'7", five, 5'8", five, size 4 or 6, no bigger or smaller, in all caps. Aged 18 to 25. Sorry, Jeff. Must have a lean dancer body. Must have real breasts. It's a must in all caps again. Must have real breasts. Do not submit if you have implants. This is a show and tell of costumes with the director and producers plan on an entire day of trying on clothes and being photographed. Blah, 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 blah. So where are they going to go to find a young actress with real breasts? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I was sort of more perturbed by the whole must be 5'7 to 5'8. Like, what if, there, what if there's multiple people they are filling this role? Everyone's going to be the same size. You know, no, here's the deal. This is one role. There's no way they're making that whole movie without a single fake tit in it. That's probably true. This, this is, is a good one point. role they're looking for. This is this is the, she's going to be in the credit as girl with real breasts. Yeah, and it's it, it's, it's probably going to be an eighteen to twenty five year old playing like a fourteen year old. That's probably, right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's a movie with corsets. How can they not have big boobs in this movie? Oh, man. How are they going to get people to go see it? They can just they can just paint them in like they did that other time with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when Keira Knightley is talking yeah. about the the poster for one of the films, where they say they. Enlarged her breasts in the poster. I believe but, it, but now they're changing. Why not? Her mind. She also, I, I think, she also stated something about how 
they put makeup to make her cleavage uh, a little yeah. little more intense. Yeah. Spent like 45 minutes every time they dressed, dressed in. Swear well, to God. Well, I also Listen. noticed in this article that... Wait a minute. Look, you're not going to tell me that it's people su- go it's... see movies because there are boobs in them. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. All right, what, what were you going to say? I was just going to say Penelope Cruz appears to be replacing Knightley as Johnny Depp's love interest. This is true. This so is I'm true. Just, you know, are they just re- looking for some more of Keira Knightley's, though? Just 5'7", no breasts. Just, we need to replace her somehow. Interesting. <laughs> she has for a normal human-style breasts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that apparently yeah. need to be that, accentuated with makeup. Cur- <laughs> Yeah, to to meet the needs of the of the adolescent <laughs> population that requires at least a thirty six C in order to go see a movie, it's ridiculous. Don't stick up for that freak, Kira Knightley. Jeff, don't stick up for her. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I love Kira Knightley. Up for her all the time. I'd, I'd, hold, I'd hold her hand. I'd hold her hand. Uh, yeah. So last last topic of uh the Holly, the Hollywood hoopla. We have Neil Patrick Harris spewed some Dr. Horrible info this week. Yay! According to Harris, there will be, in fact, a sequel to the plan, and it's planned to be a feature film. Sorry, I cannot read today. Uh, there's no finalized budget for the Internet sequel, but it sounds like free over the Internet will not be the distribution plan this time around. Sad, sad, sorry. I know at least one Gunga Pit member that's going to find this free on the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a big Dr. Horrible fan, but I'm not so sure about this. It's, Come on, I I don't know. It's just it's come one on, of those things that on. was it's good as come it is. On. Come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> yeah, ha- the original being like what it was a five day production, no budget. Yeah, created just, during during the writers' strike. Yep, just everyone for that, just that chipping deal. in, doing their thing. Yeah, and it was great as a standalone thing. And I don't know, it just just seems like they're risking ruining something good. So. If they do do it, they better make sure that they have a lot of comedy in it. Because even though it was very heavily musical, it was very funny and goofy. So hopefully they'll keep that up if they do it. You should be writing it, Jim. You should be writing it. We'll write a we'll write a letter to Neil Patrick Harris. I'll just let Josh Whedon do it again since he did it good the first time. Did it well? Yeah. Yeah. Whedon. Whedon. Anyhow, uh, that does it for our uh, Holly Hunters Highwood Hoopla. Moving on to our movie reviews of the day. Got to keep the show rolling. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jeff. Jeff, yeah, you'll be the special guy today. You're special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched uh, – I, I was going to review 2012 just to one-up Greg, but he caught me. And so <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to do it. Uh, 2012 was an awful movie. Don't listen to whatever Greg says if it's not that. It was one of the worst things I'd ever, I've ever seen. But uh, um, I actually watched a movie. What was the name of that movie? We watched Dead Snow. Um, <laughs> what was the name? Uh, yeah, yeah, also known as Dude Snow. It's a it's a Norwegian film uh, directed by Tommy Virkola. Um, it's a, it's about zombie Nazis. Questions? No. Uh, yeah, there are the Nazis like. No, they're zombie Nazis. Oh, okay. Hmm. Do they have guns? Uh, no, no. They mostly uh, bite. For the interest of full disclo- full disclosure, I actually saw the movie with him. I'm just yeah. Like, oh. Was there a was there a Hitler or no? <laughs> no, no. There was a colonel though that was like the boss zombie Nazi. It was in Norway. It was like uh, they were. It was a, a group of young people. Go figure. Go out to a ski resort. Um, and Silly there were young people. It, 
Yeah, it was chock full of like homages and 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 references. Uh, the Evil Dead references and homages actually got a little bit old, um, which that which is rare for for me to say. So it's but, very um, tongue in cheek. It's yeah, incredibly tongue in cheek, but still some some pretty sweet <laughs> zombie action, I would say. Um, you know, if you like a zombie movie, this is definitely one to catch. It's it's the best one I've seen in quite some time, in a little while anyway. So. It wasn't Quite. bad. It wasn't bad. I'll admit. There were some. It's a decent. It's a decent gore fest, and there are some some okay jokes. A lot, in it, blood, sure. lot of blood. Yeah. When they rip that guy's head open and his brains are just that. that was yeah, his brains cool. pretty much split in half. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, I think it's just a genius idea, just to go with the contrast of just blood on snow. Like, what can make blood look a little more gory? How about pure white? Yeah, and, put it on snow. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Um, it helped out. It helped out quite quite a bit. Uh, yeah. So I guess that quick quick into the point. Well done, Jeff. I'll give you a three stars. Uh, James, what, what, what do we got? Uh, mine's also going to be pretty quick. Um, it's a movie that we've talked about a lot on the show, but we haven't uh, actually reviewed yet. I finally saw Fanboys, which was released. 2008, 2009, depending on the source, who knows. Um, but real quickly, it's a, a story of a group of Star Wars fans who decide they want to invade George, Luke, George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch to uh, get a sneak peek at the Phantom Menace because one of their buddies is is uh, terminally ill and they want him to see it before uh, you know he passes off or passes away. Um, all in all, it turns out it's just kind of like a nerdy romp, kind of filled with a bunch of in jokes. Um, a lot of it's kind of stupid actually some of it's kind of amusing though uh, I spent a lot of time just focusing on one of the main kids trying to figure out what I knew him from so that tells you how well I got pulled into the movie um, it does have a star studded cameo cast with like Kristen Bell Seth Rogen plays a couple roles Shatner Billy Dee Williams Carrie Fisher uh, Jay and Silent Bob's uh, Kevin Smith and J- Jason Mewes and then uh, Ray Park for all you real nerds out there who know who's who that is um, but yeah, overall, the, it was pretty amusing, but not all that great. Pretty pretty passable, so I wouldn't you know, go out of your way to see it. There is a final scene with Kristen Bell in the Leia bikini, if that floats your boat. But <laughs> if that, uh, yeah. But there's What's internet more, for that too. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna completely ruin it. But uh, when I had seen that movie, I, I I think I saw it with you, or at least you might have saw it twice. I don't know. But um. I completely thought that the the kid dying was going to complete be a complete ruse by the end of the movie. Apparently, it was not. But. Yeah, they didn't really pay much attention to that. Really, they kind of mention it, make it their goal, and then just kind of leave it in the background for the rest of yeah. the time. Like, yeah, didn't give it. The any results are in. He's got cancer. <laughs> there was a yeah. That movie had you. If you're not a Star Wars fan, like if I were to do my own little review, it. If you're not a Star Wars fan, don't even bother picking it up. I that was very yeah, it's very filled with Star Wars in jokes and one Willow joke, which I didn't appreciate. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. what was the Willow joke? Uh, when they got into the Skywalker Ranch, they were looking at all the paraphernalia from the movies he had, and one of them was like the Book of Magic or something from Willow, and he kept asking the you know saying it for recognition, but none of his other buddies recognized it. Come on, Willow, Willow, guys. You know? Yeah, Willow's, that's that's a good joke. Willow's awesome. Willow's awesome. Uh, as Jeff. As Jeff, uh, my my friend, had mentioned, uh, I watched 2012, and they watched it. Uh, on the recommendation of your other friend. Of my uh, other friend, Jerry, Jerry. Who couldn't be here today. Poor Jerry. Because um, <laughs> he's busy working on some hardcore porn flick, which is what apparently he likes to do. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. No. Um, 
if Jerry were here, he would he would talk about how beautifully written and directed this movie was. Uh, but he's Everything not. Everything this guy has done is shit. Anyways, <laughs> if Jeff would let me finish, I uh, I didn't like the movie, and I it's actually I think I finally realized why I don't like disaster movies in general. Um. Being your your Armageddon, other than they're just usually B movies, but uh, yeah, like your, uh, what is it, Armageddon, Deep Impact, Volcano, Dante's Peak, Peak whatever. Um, I guess Dante's Peak's not a very good one, but especially world disaster movies where they have to go and show from one point to the next, like okay, here's the disasters that are going around throughout the world, and I know they. The writers and the people doing it have to do this, but going through the movie and just showing us obvious, just like wonders of the world or famous architecture from each place, which they have to do because in three seconds you need to understand that you're looking at Spain or you're looking at uh, Paris or whatever. And uh, just seeing those things get destroyed over and over again in the same way in every disaster movie just gets so boring. So old. Sorry, 2012 is very, uh, very ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's not specifically 2012's fault. 2012 is really over the top. The of course the I know it's stupid saying this about a disaster movie, but it really is. And um just the destruction of the LA area in the first 30 minutes is I don't know. I, I think they could have spent more time in the last 45 minutes made that a little more intense cuz the last I, see, I feel like the last 45 minutes was ridiculously long as well. I feel really? like the- movie could have been just about 45 minutes shorter. Right, but. right. No, you're probably right. Uh, things of note, uh, John Cusack being the main character of this movie, um, I don't know. I, I didn't really mind mind a minute. He, uh, it, could have been, it could have been anybody. Unfor- like, it, it's not like he did anything special in it, but uh, not a bad job. I, I would say the second, the second main character uh, is, and I'm going to slaughter this name, but I, I think this is, I looked it up, and it's supposed to be should we tell EGO4? EGO4? Is, uh, I guarantee when you looked it up, that wasn't right. I'm, I'm, I'm look, I'll paste it for you. I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. <laughs> I, um, know, I know his name. I just don't know how yeah. to say it. All I know is that you're wrong in the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Should we tell EGO4? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, anyhow, um, he plays pretty much like a an assi- like a assistant slash, I don't know, somebody that talks to the president about science issues. Um, and... He actually does a pretty good. He's the he's probably the the saving grace of the movie. Actually, Oliver Oliver Platt's in it playing sort of the straight. Uh, what's the, the politician? The tactician. Yeah. The politician. Not the politician is not the word I'm looking for. I um uh, the cynical the cynical guy of, of the movie, and he actually does a pretty good job too. You he definitely you definitely sort of hate him at the end. And Woody I, Harrelson. I think Oliver Platt's one of the more underrated guys showing up in Hollywood these days. And... Oh, that could be true. That could be true. Uh, Danny Glover, Glover, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson doesn't do a bad job. Um, Amanda Peet also starring, and then uh, Thandie Newton uh, or Tandy Newton, however you want to pronounce that. Also pronounce uh, it hot, <laughs> hot Newton. Right. Uh, yeah, I would take a pass. And next time, next time it comes up, even if you do like disaster movies, go yeah. watch. For a little perspective, Twister. I do like disaster movies. I have a soft spot for them, and this movie was bad. Like yeah. literally, the very first half of the movie is them running away from a crack the entire time. It's just like, really, this is what's happening. 
And not just any crack. Yeah. yeah. A uh, huge crack. <laughs> a huge one. Oh, the right, right. right. Now it's lava we're running from. I mean, they're running from something and barely getting smoke. Yeah. If Jerry were here, I would definitely have to ask him a, a couple clarification questions on what he really liked yeah, about it. The but, first one being, what oh, the fuck? one other thing to mention, since we are actually reviewing it, I guess I'll get in depth. Uh, they put in a Russian couple and some kids, sort of like as a comedic relief part. Sort of, uh, completely terrible. Mm-hmm. So bad. Yeah. Um, not really much more to say than say than that. I, I don't know. It, it, I, I liked some of what they think that that typical that type of end of the world event would look like. That that idea was sort of interesting, but yeah, rest of it. Just, just in case anybody wants to go see this movie, I want to bring up some of the other movies that the uh, that this guy, what's his name, Roland Emmerich, yeah. uh, has directed. Uh, um, ten thousand BC. Don't really know. I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it's shit. Uh, the day after tomorrow, definitely shit. Uh, Godzilla, great movie. Uh, and then Independence Day. So if that, <laughs> he's, if a, that, he's a master, is what you're trying also to say. Also, Universal Soldier. Um, wow! Don't just say also Universal Soldier. Yeah, also Universal Soldier. Yeah, I just right. it looks like every two years this guy comes out with a steaming pile of shit for America <laughs> to enjoy. Oh man! Anyhow, that does it for our movie reviews. Moving on to our main feature of today. This is a big event. This is huge. This is our last March Madness episode, the March Madness Movie Matchup Month. This is our last episode. Um, today, we'll be, today we are going to be doing two things. We are going to be discussing one topic, and then as a special roundup at the end of this, we're going to bring all the brackets together in a conglomeration of awesome, and uh, you'll be there with us uh, at your side to, to watch it all happen. It's going to be great. Uh, but for our last topic, we are going to be putting uh, eight different contenders head-to-head, uh, the category is best epic death scene. Now, in a movie, in a movie, uh, we had a really hard time defining the criteria for this. Uh, took uh, multiple phone calls, multiple emails, trying to figure out what each of us were deciding the criteria by. Uh, we ended up with a pretty good list, and I guess I don't know. Like in the end, my, I was pretty much saying. Uh, I forget which judge which judge said it, but pretty much like pornography, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Was pretty much what I said about best epic death scenes, and I can't tell you exactly how we picked these, or at least how I picked mine. But they're epic, and I know they're epic, and hopefully, they're, mine will be number one. But we'll, yeah, we'll these see. are supposed to be about the dying and not the killing. It's basic is the big difference, I think. Yes. <laughs> Anything else, Jeff? Did, what was your criteria going going through this? Um, it, I think uh, I think Jim said it well. This is this is about this is about the the dying and not the not the apparatus uh, of the of the death. This is this is about uh, this is about the the death as the yeah. subject. So, for instance, the, you know Harrison Ford and Raiders Lost Ark sit in that crowd, and the guy comes out swinging a sword like crazy. He pulls out his gun and shoots him. That's a cool kill, but. The death all he's doing is getting hit by a bullet and falling over dying. So Perfect example. Therefore, it wouldn't qualify. So the Indiana Jones part was cool, but Indiana Jones isn't what we're voting on. We're voting, right. on, we're him voting, voting on, on that the guy, guy that died, yeah, which was All he did was fall over and die. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, we have our eight 
we have our eight finalists. We have eight, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll go through them here. Uh, the first seed, Wicked of the Wi- Wicked Witch of the West, Dying in Wizard of Oz. Second seed, uh, we have Major Major King Kong, who you might know as Slim Pickens. Uh, Major, oh, well, King in parentheses, Major, or, uh, or quotation marks. Okay, King, King so Major Kong, Kong with. Yeah, king in parentheses. Uh, Doctor Strange, let him on how he learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Uh, third seed, Bill, who's just Bill in, in uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. Fourth, Spock and Rathacon. Five, we have Leon in The Professional. Six, Robin Hood. We have uh, Nottingham, Sheriff Nottingham in Robin Hood. Seven, uh, William Wallace in Braveheart. And eight, we have, what's Sean Connery's character's name in The Untouchables? It's like Jimmy Billy. Malone. Jimmy Malone. It's a sweet name. For yes, sure. it is. Downtown Jimmy Malone. <laughs> it's a sweet name for sure. Why, uh, why do you think I chose to represent him? Right. It's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those are right now. Before everyone freaks out, which I'm sure you're already freaking out, there are a lot of deaths in movies. There are a lot of them. We know we couldn't get them all. And I also want to point out that I was really rooting for – this is the last bracket, of course, for the month. So I really was hoping that this was like the – finally we'd be able to talk about hot girls for once on this on this show. But um, uh, they wouldn't have it. So uh, my apologies to all the people that wanted to listen about hot girls. I know. It, it's, it's just something we want to do. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on. First mashup. First versus the eight seed. We have Wicked Witch of the West represented by Greg. And we have Jimmy Malone. I put Maloney in there. That's sort of funny because that's yeah, sir, my last name. All right, uh, Jimmy Malone, <laughs> <laughs> represented by Jim. Funny. Uh, yeah, since James, you are the eighth seed. I guess you get to go first. Jeff is a adjudicator, per, per as he usually likes to do. I do love adjudicating. <laughs> All right, well, let me set the scene for you. Sean Connery plays Jimmy Malone. Erroneous. And uh, he is in his apartment which gets infiltrated by a guy with a knife. He scares the guy with a knife out to the door where a machine gunist is waiting for him. He is riddled with bullets. In his soaking, bloody body, he starts to crawl back inside of the apartment, leaving a trail of blood like a runway. There's an opera playing in the background from a different scene that they're kind of meshing in between the the crawling and Al Capone at the opera. He knows he has to get somewhere, and he's going for it. When finally the the cavalry arrives to help him or save him, it's Elliot Ness makes it to his body first, and he's in his living room. He's reaching for something. He knows that he has to get this to Elliot Ness because it is evidence to put Al Capone away. It's, It's the information on where to find the bookkeeper for Al Capone. In his dying breast, that's all he's thinking about is making sure that he finishes the job, that he catches Al Capone. And he gives him the train schedule, puts it in Elliot Ness's hand and says, what are you prepared to do? Which is a reference to earlier in the movie where Elliot Ness got him to sign up as long as Elliot Ness was allowed or was prepared to go beyond the law to get Al Capone. So he wanted to make sure that his boss was going to make this worth it. So do you have any, like, facts you want to use for your... Uh, <clears throat> facts? <laughs> um, 
John Connery was 57. I don't know. 37% of the American public, John Connery's gay. His name was Jimmy Malone. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. Um, So uh, I am representing Wicked Witch of the West. She's she's a badass. She's the Wicked Witch of the West, by the way. Just want to point that out. Uh, Played by Margaret Hamilton, which isn't a big name. You wouldn't... uh, wouldn't recognize it if you if you heard it just like now, uh, but very important character. Now, as you as you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz you, is about the magical trip of Dorothy landing in the the land of Oz by uh, via tornado, which is which is everyone's. <laughs> um, but in this magical world, she learns that there is. Oh my this, God! Are we going to go through the entire story of the Wizard hey, of Oz? I need to point out how important the Wicked Witch is. This is important for my case. Greg, I'm, let me give you Move a to strike. A little hint here. You're going to win this one. All right? You see, it's a one versus eight seed. It's a, well, unless, unless you keep talking. Let's see what happens. So, Dorothy learns pretty much that the, the way out of Oz, <laughs> she ends up pretty much bumping heads again. <laughs> I can't. I'm laughing at everything I said. Um, gets... Uh, <laughs> abducted by the Wicked Witch of the West by her evil monkey crew, and then, in her pretty much anger, douses the Wicked Witch of the West with a pail full of water, quickly realizing that the Wicked Witch of the West is screaming, I'm melting, I'm melting, and just... I know you have, like, cool, like, uh, I forget what the words are, the for the fake explosions for blood, the blood packs and stuff exploding, like all that cool techniques with Jimmy Malone getting blown away. But this was what, uh, your first techni- your first technicolor color movie period? Or was it Snow White? I guess Snow White was animated. But yeah, anyhow, um, not much technology there, and they had to make her melt. It was pretty intense. She had to go lower through a floor and melt. It was intense when you saw that the first time, and she was screaming the entire time, and not only... Does her death, her actual physical death, leave an impression on you? Uh, it ends up being the turn in the movie at the when she ends up disappearing. The monkeys end up freaking out and pretty much either fleeing or helping Dorothy, and she ends up getting her ruby slippers, which end up being her key gateway to home. Yeah, that's that's Jesus. lame, man. That's horrible. Jesus, it was a pretty bad, pretty bad explanation. I'm sorry. Well, plus, I mean. The witch is really a good person, but that's all right. She's just trying. The other witch? No way. Dorothy stole her sister's shoes, man. That's true. That's actually true. She didn't steal them. Oh, sorry. She took them off her dead body after she killed her. Right. She needed them back. That's true. Anyways. Anyways, my person won an Oscar for his role. Your person didn't. Uh, The person is Margaret Hamilton, and she was a... Uh, a young all right, which wins? Up. God damn it, I'm sick of this. All right, <laughs> all, right all right, fine. I'll take your, I'll take your pity. Your it's a that was a pretty pity pity bet. That's for sure. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, I'm just warming miserable. up. I can't believe people are listening to this. Oh, okay. Next one. Uh, next one we have Slim Pickens. Sorry, uh, Major Kong. Uh, in Doctor Strange Love and how he learned to stop worrying and love the bomb and William Wallace. Or, right? or how I. Well, or? I thought it was, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was That's okay. It's okay. Long article. I'm sorry. 
Did I say article? You meant conjunction. Yeah, I did. Excuse me. I am uh, a couple beers back. James will be uh, adjudicating this one. I am the low seed, which is rather odd because William Wallace dying in Braveheart might be one of the most uh, intense death scenes of all time, cinematically. Oh, bullshit is what that is. Yeah. Um, I believe it's my turn. Uh, yeah, go ahead with your old bullshit. Uh, William Wallace being the heroic character that leads uh, <clears throat> the Scots to a whole new sense of freedom and uh, responsibility for their country, uh, turning an entire population against a uh, invader. Oh, I'm sorry, was it Epic Lives? Because if we were talking about Epic Lives, I would have picked somebody... Again, I am, uh, I'm building the case of how important my character is, Jeff. Uh, so, at that point, at the end, he ends up getting captured, uh, turned, on, turned on by one of his own, gets captured by the King of England, and has was pretty much drawn and quartered. I don't know if anyone knows how that feels or what it looks like, but they... Uh, showed a lot of that to us and even on the the dawn of his death he knows he's going to get killed he's getting the given the chance to get out of it by one of his uh <clears throat> i forget what her position was supposed to be she was going to be the future queen princess whatever uh <clears throat> and gives the chance of not getting out of it but at least taking a pill that will dull the pain during the execution and he won't have to feel anything he decides not to do it uh, spares the girl's feelings in the meantime, which is a whole different thing, and just endures the whole thing, and he has a chance to just end it all over and over again by by apologizing, not apologizing, but pretty much saying that he was wrong and that uh, he thinks the king's cool. I forget what the exact, exact thing is, but doesn't do it, doesn't bow down the entire time, ends up getting beheaded in the end. Um, the other thing is you have two of his friends that are there watching from the um, the crowd, and you think while you're watching the movie, like, oh, they might save him. That's why they're there. But they just watch him die, and it's it's gut wrenching. It's intense, um, and it's a sad, sad story. Yeah, that w- that was an intense death, and I think it should have been higher than a seven seed. I, I but um, Slim Pickens. For those of us who have seen Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, uh, the end of it is uh, basically the start of a complete nuclear holocaust. And um, the the way it starts is Slim Pickens is trying to, uh, against the will of the American president, the American military, and the uh, uh, the entire world, really, um, at, but without his knowing, he, he's going to unleash uh, a, an atomic bomb on Russia. And he's the pilot of this uh, of this plane, and they are uh, they have lost their radar equipment and can't hear the uh, the any kind of uh, request not to do this. They got they got the um, they got to go forward to go ahead and bomb, and then and then they, they tried to rescind it. The American government did, and couldn't do it. And it's going to be literally the end of the world. And he decides because his uh, bomb hatch doesn't doesn't work his, his automatic he decides to get himself on the bomb with his cowboy hat straddle the bomb and ride it to oblivion with swinging his cowboy hat in one hand and grasping the bomb in the other uh 
I can't imagine a more epic death than being the harbinger of the end of the world as we know it. And I rest my case. Oh, man, this is a tough call. It's because Slim Pickens does this in such great style. And then you get on the other hand, you got Mel Gibson dying for freedom, literally. Yeah, I forgot that he yelled freedom. That that was going to be my next round. Yeah, you did forget that. Boy. Freedom! Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the Mel Gibson role on this one. Oh! I think the long, drawn-out death and torture makes it that much more powerful than the the quick and dirty uh, riding the bomb downward. As much style as that has, I think I have to go with Mel, unfortunately. Gibson upsets the second seed. Don't look now. Greg's advancing into the second round. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, next matchup. Uh, we have Kill Bill. Uh, sorry, Bill from Kill Bill Volume 2 dying. And uh, Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, Kill uh, Bill represented by Jeff and Sheriff of Nottingham represented by Jim. Uh, Jim's the lower seed, so he will begin. I will be uh, making the decisions. All right. Uh, Alan Rickman plays the Sheriff of Nottingham in the '91's Robin Hood, and Alec Rickman, God love him, he could have shown up in this category a couple different times, but um, I, <laughs> I decided to go with uh, this one. Um, he has this epic duel at the end of the movie with uh, Robin Hood. Um, seems to have Robin in the corner, but gets ends up getting stabbed by Robin Hood instead with a dagger. He ends up pivoting. Staggering towards Marion, stops, pulls out the bloody dagger from his chest, looks at it, lets it slip and fall to the ground, pivots again, staggers over to the window, climbs up into the window and hangs out, turns on his back, and finally dies in what I like to call the Don Flamenco of all death scenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's that's a bit... That's, that's, a, that's a mighty hurdle to overcome right there. Uh, well, I don't... Uh, I don't necessarily have a punch-out character to relate my uh, David Carradine as Bill um, to, but I, I, I do want to say that this is... When I think of an epic death for a character... Um, this has got to be the first thing that comes to mind. It's it's such a an emotionally charged scene, um, such a, such a climax for the entire uh, for, the, for for the for the entire I guess you can call it a series, but for the for the the entire story, um, it, he uh, he's sitting across the table from Uma Thurman, who basically pulls some stuff on him that he had no idea she had the capability or anybody had the capability of doing, and he's shocked by it, and he's shocked by how he's kind of. He's lost this fight that he was certain he was going to win. But what he does, and the, the the brilliance of it is that he doesn't die immediately, and he doesn't. He gets to choose the he, he, the his the moment of his death because the point of this, as as we all well remember, was the um, the five point. Uh, hold on a second, I've got this someplace. Um, Oh, no, I don't. Shit, I got off of it. All right, but it, the, the five-point exploding palm uh, trick, which causes someone to be dead uh, the second they take five steps. So if you take five steps, you're dead. So he knows he's dead, and he kind of straightens up his shoulder. He says a, a fantastic line, one of, the, one, of the, one of the best lines in the entire uh, Tarantino collection. 
There's a wonderful, incredibly honest conversation that goes on between uh, Uma Thurman and uh, and the Bill character, and he's and he stands up and he takes five steps and collapses dead. And the the idea of of uh, the, the, just the brilliance is not. I'm 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 not going to get behind. It. I'm not going to say it's mine at all because it's 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 a, such a brilliant idea to take to give this man his own death and to have him do it sort of on his own terms and that's that's what makes it i think the best the most epic movie death both good cases both very good cases um <laughs> that's a cheap trick jim it's a cheap <laughs> trick and it might cost you i i like it i like it a lot but i uh, i don't know um by the way, I'm thinking King Hippo for Kill Bill. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. one hit. <laughs> That's a good point. Keep them. Um, right, right. Uh, I guess it is time to make a decision, and a decision I will make. We're gonna have to go with Bill from Kill Bill Volume Two. Sorry, James. I really wanted to. I really wanted to, but uh, yeah, maybe Mike Tyson next time. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, which means we have. Uh, Jeff moving on to round two with Bill, and we have our last fight of round one, Spock in Wrath of Khan. By the way, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't noticed for the rest for this episode. Uh, and represented by Jim, and I have Leon from The Professional uh, represented by me, as I just said, and Jeff will be calling the shots. You bet. This is a four and five seed. It's anybody's game. Um. Leon, who would have been a good a good uh, possibility for mentor or father figure, by the way. Uh, Leon's a paid hitman who takes in uh, takes in a young child, uh, Natalie Portman. Pretty much, not by his own choice, but Natalie Portman was very uh, persuasive, very aggressive, and uh, he ends up being the father. Pretty much temporary father for this for this girl and goes around being a complete badass the whole movie you just get to see how unstoppable he is and this all culminates to the last fight where he gets stuck in an impossible position with his pretty much adopted daughter Natalie Portman uh, and does everything to you would like you assume little by little like he was cold blooded the entire time, and you see this transition through the movie where he turns more and more and likes Natalie Portman, and just wants to live peacefully after this, and just realizes his mistakes, kind of thing, and ends up sacrificing himself for Portman's safety. And not only that, he takes out, which it probably isn't a very nice thing, but he ends up killing like thirty SWAT, off thirty SWAT, I don't know, maybe even forty police officers, and almost escapes. You think he's going to make it. There's a just a tracking shot, him looking up in the air, Freedom's right in front of him, and he gets killed by his arch nemesis, played by Gary Oldman, who's a badass, by the way. And you think, okay, man, everything just went downhill, game's over. And Gary Oldman leans over his body, he's still breathing, Gary Oldman's laughing. Gary Oldman's like a drug addict, too, he's crazy. He's a corrupt cop. Um, can't hear what he's saying, leans closer, and... Uh, Leon ends up just saying, this is from Matilda, gives him the pin to a grenade, which was apparently connected to a whole string of grenades 
or at least, you know, one grenade connected to more grenades. And they all blow up, blowing the entire, pretty much, level of the building out, killing the bad guy, killing himself. And Natalie Portman escapes unscathed. And it's, uh, it's complete, very dramatic, very epic, and probably the best. James? Um, the best what? Uh, the best death scene. Sorry. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I'm representing Spock from uh, Wrath of Khan. And um, just uh, full disclosure, I have not seen Wrath of Khan. Yeah, and I'm prepared uh, for that. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> and knowing that you haven't, I will paint this picture as best I can. So just to give you an idea of what's going on, the Enterprise is just – it's disabled, but in battle is defeated uh, Khan, who has his own spaceship – but he has activated a explosive device on his spaceship that's going to blow up the entire area. I mean, the Genesis device. Yeah, and it's going to take up tons and tons, like many planets worth of you know space. And it's going to blow up the Enterprise too. Yes, the Enterprise is in danger and it's disabled. It can only move on you know quarter power or whatever. So the captain immediately orders it, but Spock knows that he's got to be the one that goes down into the the engine room and fix the reactor so they can get to a higher speed and get the hell out of there. So without conferring with anyone, he takes it upon himself to go down there and he gets down there and the entire reactor room is just filled with radiation. He pretty much has to trick his other, another coworker in, you know, to let him into the, uh, the chamber so he can do his business. So he gets in there. His business. His business, yes. Gets in there, pulls the cap off this reactor. Radiation is spewing everywhere through his face in this big bright light. He reaches down in there, and before it's too late, he re-enables the, the Enterprise's engines, and they can get out of there. And Kirk gives the order. They get to safety. Then over the intercom, he just hears his friend say, Jim, you need to get down here. He rushes down there, and he sees his friend who is pretty much just laying down next to the reactor, which the reactor room, just to give you a picture, is uh, surrounded in you know thick glass so you can see through the walls, and there's intercoms set up. So he calls to his friend Spock. Spock gets up, knows that it's his captain, straightens out his uniform, walks over, his face is all melted and stuff. He walks over, even bumps into the glass because he can't see very well, finally finds his friend... And the first thing on his mind is, is the ship out of danger? The captain tells him yes. They talk for a bit. Spock slides down the gla- glass with the last of his breaths, and he gets to say goodbye to his good friend, the captain of the Enterprise, as he dies. Okay. Um, can great I, can I say, No can doubt I about something? it. Uh, Greg, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I love Spock. Uh, I really do. But I uh, I have to say that Jeff hasn't seen the next movie either, which is called uh, The Search for Spock. And Spock comes back to life. Uh, I assume he must. But yeah, yeah. Okay, and can we get a real quick? I'm not like real quick rundown of of what the uh, the coming back situation is. Uh, basically, they jettison his dead body with a funeral service, which lands on a planet that was affected by what's called the Genesis device, which was the cause of the big explosion. And the Genesis device is pretty much like a reboot of a planet, and it creates life and stuff. And Spock's body kind of shows up kind of like a clone-like, and 
his mental capacity was stored inside of <laughs> bones. The another cast or another uh, crew member. Jim, I oh man, Jim, I wanted to. I wanted to. I, I feel like I've really screwed you a lot of times. I wanted to be on your team this time, but uh, you can't be that mad at me for. I mean, <laughs> for you know Sean Connery, the the Oscar winner. No, no, not at all. Aaron Rickman, actor extraordinaire. I didn't Spock, pick that one. Spock, you know. <laughs> also, you know, so valuable. He's in was in one of our other brackets. Just a point against. Him. He, he's even got you know the great pearls of wisdom as he's sliding to the floor to his friend Jim. He said. <laughs> Sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I knew that. I knew that. One of one of the mantras of Star Trek. Yeah, he says it all the time. It just yeah. happened to pop out what he was saying. Oh, he says all of them. <laughs> he throws in the I have been and always shall be your friend. Live long and prosper. He gets to go through those spiel before he dies. Yeah, yeah. He goes through. <laughs> he just has all the talking points covered by the time. All right. Well, then, you know what, Spock, it is. Anybody <laughs> can hit all the talking points. <laughs> During his death, if you can tell me exactly what you want to get across, that's <laughs> anybody can hit all the talking points. Fine, whatever. All right, Spock moves on because why not? Let's have Spock in another another bracket winning. All right, so that brings us to our next matchup. We have the first seed versus the four seed coming back to Spock again, being uh, the four seed in Wrath of Khan and the number one seed, Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, from Wizard of Oz, represented by myself. So, uh, James, you have Spock again, obviously. So, what else do you have to say again uh, about the person that should have made it this far? Um, yeah, uh, since it, you know my last tirade was nice and fresh in everybody's head, I'll, I'll approach this a little differently. Um, let me start by saying the Wizard of Oz, although it's an iconic picture, and the de- you know the death, you know I'm melting, I'm melting has even been spoofed. Really. The death itself doesn't really add anything to the picture. It's she's dead. What happens after that is gravy. Didn't add to the story or the feelings. Dorothy even feels bad about it. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on there. But with Spock's death, I mean, it's heartwarming. It's heartbreaking. Um, it's an end of a long friendship, or you know, so they think, and so the audience thinks at this time. Um, and it just adds a lot of drama to the whole situation and then sets up the little, uh, I forget the word is, uh, the after climax part um, for shipping. The denouement? That's the Epi- word I'm looking for. <laughs> Epilogue. <laughs> and it, it just add, you know sets up that scene and you know lets it deliver with you know the emotional punch that uh, it deserves. Uh, you, you made my point for me. Dorothy... You mentioned it doesn't feel very good about it. The, that's conflict, Jim. That's conflict, and conflict makes movies interesting. Uh, Dorothy ends up knocking the, killing pretty much uh, the the Wicked Witch of the West by melting her, and yeah, she feels terrible about terrible about it. Any normal human being would feel terrible about doing that to somebody. Um, but it but doesn't do anything for the story. Her, she doesn't. Do, what do you mean? It doesn't do anything for the story. It ends up pretty much. She's in, she's captured by the wicked witch, um, pretty much because she won't take off her ruby slippers, which she you know she could have done at any pilfered. point. Pilfered, pilfered, pilfered. Her pilfered ruby ruby red slippers. I want a ruby red 
squirt right now. Uh, so, <laughs> and ends up, ends, up, ends up getting melted uh, by, by her later on. Now, I guess it doesn't do anything immediately like beyond that other than just removing the evil from Oz in general. Both witches gone. Both evil, wicked witches gone. And yeah, I, mean, I was just talking more about the style of death as opposed to the actual occurrence of the death. Oh, melting doesn't do it yeah, for Yeah, it's just, it's just like, okay, it's done. You know, we got hit that plot point where my guy, I mean, the whole death part adds, you know, him dying. He gets to say his last words. Gets to see How it. does melting not do it for you? <laughs> Melt sweet. I it's mean, like, it's, oh, it's a solid. No, now it's a liquid. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, I get it. It's a special effect. Yes, that's that's very nice. <laughs> no, I mean like in general. I think melting is sweet, like ice right now melting in my drink. I think it's awesome. It's all about alcohol for you, isn't it? Okay, it's mostly about alcohol. Yeah. All right, I'm resting my case. I got to pick now, huh? Yeah. Um. Well, let me ask you guys something. Who do you think would win in a fight? The Wicked Witch of the West. Or Ben Folds. <laughs> the Wicked Witch of the West would be Ben Folds' ass. Uh, Jim? Um, I don't know. I think Ben Folds has received five for fighting before, so you know he's probably got to be a pretty good fighter, right? <laughs> that, was a, that was a different was guy in five for fighting. Different Damn guy. It. it was Ben Folds' five. <laughs> All right, um, I'm gonna rule. I'm gonna rule with Spock. Oh, what? Are you serious? Uh, okay. All right. That's all right. It's legit. It's legit. I'll walk. I'll walk. I'll walk away. Fine. That's Jim, fine. Jim Spock arguments pretty good. All right. Okay, so that moves on to our. This is our, of course, our semifinals. Um, uh, that was our round one of semifinals. We have round two, which I uh, can't wait for. Uh, we have William Wallace, the seventh seed, making it into the second round. Uh, the Cinderella story, and we have Bill, Kill Bill, represented by Jeff. Um, I am representing William Wallace. Jim is adjudicating, um, and yeah, I am the low seed, so I have to go first. Now, Bill uh, is a bad guy that dies. Uh, William Wallace is a good guy. Now, throughout the entire movie, uh, again, William Wallace would have been a great option for mentor too. He ends up inspiring. His countrymen, he ends up fighting for peace, which one might think is a little of a some kind of conflict there, but or an oxymoron. <laughs> ends up he ends up offering peace the entire time. That's all he wants, but he knows England will not listen, so he, he has to. Well, go. we all really want peace on our own terms. I mean, yeah, I want peace once you admit that William is inferior to Bill. I want peace after that. Anyhow, <laughs> teaches all these people. That's that's his importance here. And when he dies in front of all those people that hate him in England, just everybody, just everyone there is throwing stuff at him, spitting on him on his way through, and he's just taking it. He doesn't say anything. He just looks on... And when they keep on trying to get him to submit, he does not throughout the entire torture process. There was no torturing going on for uh, for Bill. And even after all that's done, when he dies, he just his last words are freedom. And the whole time he's hanging on to this handkerchief of his first love of the entire movie. 
who he cheated on. Uh, post-mortem. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so uh, we, um, I want to, I actually, I'm going to take issue with your first point, and this isn't going to be a, a huge uh, part of my argument, because I think I have stronger stuff than this, but Bill isn't really a bad guy, uh, more so than any other character in that movie, in, in the Kill Bill movies, is a bad guy. Bill is a lovesick, distraught man, and that's what gives this scene its charge. Um, the the death scene for for Bill and Kill Bill is given its charge not because it, in uh, well I shouldn't say not because but in addition to it being the climax of the entire thing, um, in in everything that Uma Thurman's been working for, you can tell that she's conflicted by it, and you can tell that this is this is something it's it's just a logical end. It's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a deep breath and, and then the breath out it's a logical end to this epic story um, and I think it's 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 really really well exemplified by by Bill's uh, by Bill's last two lines um, and and one of them is to the person who kills him um, who he's who he's still madly in love with very clearly madly in love with uh, you're not a bad person you're a terrific person you're my favorite person and then after that, he knows he's going to die. He's going to die, and, and he says, how do I look? And the person who kills him said, you look ready. And he stands up, and he takes the five steps. And it, by the way, remember the background music. It's that spaghetti western background music that's just phenomenal. The emotion wells up in you, and and, he, and I, 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 I think it's just so much better. It's so much better. On its face, it's so much better. Oh... Man, this is gonna kill me. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. You, you know who else had an epic uh, death scene? David Carradine. Never mind. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Man, God. two different, totally different movies and scenes. Oh, um. Yeah, I'm gonna have to side with William Wallace, unfortunately. What? Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Have you ever seen Kill Bill Volume Two? Yes, I own it. Jeff <sighs> <sighs> left out of the last round. Sorry. I don't even guy. no. Hold on, I I, I want to bitch for a minute here. <laughs> All right, listen. Listen, if we were going with more inspirational story, for sure, William Wallace, great, whatever. Yeah, and he dies and he gets tortured. You know, people get tortured in Saw. We didn't bring any of those people up in this argument. God damn it. Ridiculous. Not to mention that his death is the climax of this entire thing. The name of the two movies are Kill Bill and Kill Bill. Come the fuck on. How do you not pick that? Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Uh, I think uh, Jeff's going to be appealing the decision in our next episode. But and next uh, time we'll have to call it most unique death or something, and then you can win. Ooh, getting a little, getting a little <laughs> dirty over here. Getting a little dirty. I gave you Spock twice in a row. Good luck getting him to the finals. <laughs> Why are you going to call Rambo the winner again? Yes, <laughs> this is this, this this is the finals, and uh, Jeff actually does have uh, adjudicating power. Oh, uh, do I? Oh. So, so we have Spock in uh, Wrath of Khan, uh, and we have William Wallace. Ah, shit! And, yeah, <laughs> in Braveheart. 
uh, <laughs> represent myself. Um, and yeah, uh, it is it is I who has to uh, he has to start once again. My argument for Spock. This is tough because we have two people. Pretty much, their deaths were just a moment of self sacrifice. Uh, William Wallace. Uh, going through step by step, knowing that he could at least have some kind of chance of arguing his not arguing his way, but wheeling and dealing his way out of his death, or at least he could have made some kind of concession. Never did the entire time. He stood. He stood there, took it like a man. Uh, ended up getting executed big time for it. And uh, yeah, uh, it's much like Spock, but maybe even to a greater degree. Instead of Sir. Uh, Helping a, a country, or sorry, helping a ship live on. He helped an entire country find itself. It's a ship, though. Fight. It is a big ship. It's a big ship. Just saying, there weren't that many people living in Scotland in like the 1500s. Doesn't matter. I'm picking him anyway. So go go ahead. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was that, that was actually that was pretty much it. Uh, James, you can go ahead. Um. Yeah, you already have your. Uh decision made so go ahead <laughs> oh come on come on i i haven't i haven't you, really the only thing i have left to say is william wallace's death scene as dramatic as it was didn't save lives my guy did it to save lives he had to make a choice and ended up getting a good dramatic scene out of it. who that. are you to say that william wallace's death didn't save lives. Did you not see the last scene in Braveheart? Yeah, sir? when they all went and fought some more. Yeah, people died in there. Yeah, that but... was and won their freedom. <laughs> they fought like warrior poets. This is they true. fought like Scotsmen. Uh, right. So Spock it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Spock's moved on. Uh, Spock is the winner of the best epic death scene. Now. Oh, moving, moving on with our episode. This is our, our little. Uh... That's such a fucking sham. <laughs> well, wait till this part comes because it's gonna be an extra sham right here. We have four winners of our of our of our four March Madness uh, movie matchup month episodes. We have Rambo, First Blood, um, as the winner of unintentional comedy. Mark Hamill as uh, the best actor or most uh, actor most famous for one role. And Mr. Miyagi as uh, the greatest father figure, figure sat, slash mentor. Um, and now, joining those ranks, we have Spock and Wrath of Khan representing the best epic death scene. And we thought it would be sort of fun to pit these against them, against each other and trying to figure out who's the ultimate winner. The ultimate winner of March Madness Movie Matchup Month. Now, Do you believe that we will never do this again? Yeah. <laughs> um, I pretty much had already seeded it, so we'll, we'll do it this way. Uh, coming in, we're we're gonna have Spock be the one seed, and we're gonna have First Blood be the fourth seed. So we okay. need to compare and see who wins for the, Rambo. for the best winner of March Madness movie matchup month. Now, you've got Rambo uh, going head to head with Spock. What do you, what would you say that Spock has against uh, Rambo the movie? Well, for me, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised Rambo's even in the category, so I guess I'm a little biased. Uh, I don't think it should have made it that far. I don't think Spock should have made it that far. I just picked it to be a dick. 
<laughs> well, you did that for both of them, so that's kind of equal. <laughs> yeah, didn't you? yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. First one got in here because of you. Big competition. <laughs> I, you know, I have a, I have a, I, I think um, I want to make a, a point that I actually think is kind of relevant here. Uh, Spock is going to rely on logic uh, when, when, when the, whereas John Rambo goes he just defies any sort of conventional logic and and that's how he wins he uh, he, he 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 throws himself in the fa- he he retreats when you should attack and attacks when you should retreat and that's how he wins it's it's uh it's it's an exciting tactic and i think i think he takes down spock grabs no. him by the pointy ears and throws him into a chokehold <laughs> now remember we are comparing it's Aspect of it being an unintentional comedy to Spock's death, not just. Well, yeah, it's way funnier. <laughs> it's way funnier than Spock's death. Uh, yeah. Although that face melting thing sounds pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's not as bad. Like it's more like boils kind of on his face. It's not very melty. I should. Um, Star Trek never really had. Still have the terrible haircut, or did that? No, it's there. It's there for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is tough. I think. If I were to put Spock's death in one hand and first blood in the other hand, I'd be pretty disgusted by what's in my first blood hand. And the Spock hand <laughs> wouldn't be so bad. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking Spock. So, Jim, yep. what yeah, do you think? I'm agreeing with Spock. All right, Spock moves on. Spock if Spock's on. death wins this whole thing, I'm going to shit a brick. I, I don't know. Oh, God. So, Spock moves on to the, the, the final round, and now we have Mark Hamill as uh, the actor's famous for one role, and Mr. Miyagi going head-to-head uh, as best mentor-slash-father figure. Now, this is interesting because we sort of have the pupil and the mentor in this in this round. True, true. Um, I personally am leaning with, uh, with Mr. Miyagi. I'm with you, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Any justification? I know we don't need it on this well, show, but I'm just My major it. justification. <laughs> my major justification is... just trying to fill the time. Is, is thinking about what Luke's nominated for. Mr. Miyagi could have very well been a contender in that category, too. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, Pat Morita, famous for other roles such as... Um... Yeah, no, uh, I'm, Mr. I'm... Miyagi's sweet, dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm. Now, if I had Mark Hamill in one hand, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't uh, matter what you think. You're right, it is two to one. It's <laughs> a good point. But Jim and I are the part of the same district. Like, him and I, our votes have to be, you know, 2-0 for one way, and then yours is, like, your own district. You're, like, in your own world over there. What? I don't know. All right, Mr. Miyagi moves on because you guys don't don't want to discuss. So, Mr. Miyagi, the second seed. This is if you have something to say about Mark Hamill, I'd like to hear it. No, it's okay. We we're we're short on time, and Mr. Miyagi should have won anyways. Uh, So, Mr. Miyagi, head to head with Spock's death. Mr. Miyagi as a father figure, as a father figure slash mentor. So, they both do try to really apply. I don't want to say logic. Logic on Spock's side. Mr. Yagi is all. He has a very defined set of rules that that he he, he thinks the way the world works, and I, I think they have that in common, common for sure. Well, although I like, you almost said condom. I did say condom. 
Although I do like uh, Spock's death scene, I think Mr. Miyagi does a better job representing what he was voted in for. Hmm. But I, I, it's not I, it's I, not really what we're arguing, is it? What we're arguing for? I don't know. Um, because this makes you know so much logical sense to begin with. Spock would frown on your shenanigans, <laughs> frown on all of it. Jeff, what do you have to say? Well, Greg, I'd like to hear what you have to say first. Okay. Um. Now, Spock's death was pretty pretty dramatic. Mr. Miyagi going through his entire you know mentoring role with with uh, that douchebag um, ended up being. I don't know, and it almost seemed like he he was he was the father figure, but comparing his role seemed like sort of like slash comedy slash dr- dramatic and. I I'm sort of have a heart for for the drama and Spock dying in that movie, you know, it just pulled my uh, pulled my uh, heartstrings a little bit. Uh, I think I'd go with Spock. Jeff, that leaves you the t- deciding vote. Oh God, again! <laughs> oh God, that's why I asked Greg to go first because if I can't get a horse in this race, then I at least want to be able to pick which bastard I like the best. All what right, are you about? yeah, none of these were yours, were they? Uh, the Ramble one was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just like to say uh, that I argued all of them into the final round. Just, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You're 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 real real son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So on one hand, we've got Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, um, who is partially to blame for the outbreak in white kids wanting to learn karate, <laughs> which uh, um, and <laughs> karate was almost. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, we've got. Well, I've got vodka on my other hand, but on the other hand, we have we have uh, Spock, Spock, who um, who is a uh, you know very logical guy, um, and he died, so that sucks. Um, and apparently, he had boils on his face, and uh, he said a lot of stuff that was pretty poignant. So we've got father figure versus died. I think that Spock should win. But he has a horrible haircut, so Mr. Miyagi wins. <laughs> Mr. Right, like Miyagi, Mr. congratulations. The father figure. He's got ends a cool name, taking, so I'm happy with it. Ends up taking the entire tournament. Congratulations. Conference, the, the conferences meet up, and it's a domination by uh, the karate master himself. You're best the best father figure. around. Uh, yeah, uh, great job. <laughs> Building win this whole thing. Yeah. Actually, you know what should have won? The room should have won everything in this because it dominated its category better than anything. <laughs> That's it for the yeah, March Madness matchup month. It was a, a good time. I'm, I'm happy uh, we did it, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, let us know what you guys think at the boards if you want at uh, gungabit.com. And uh, yeah, we're sort of uh, running long. Surprise, surprise. And uh, that brings us to our last feature, uh, Park and Posey Play Along, which uh, last week's question was Jeff's, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, good question, good answers. Um, I was actually very impressed with the uh, amount and the quality of the answers. In fact, a couple of the answers I wish that I had come up with. One of my favorite movies, uh, not that Ferris Bueller, my answer was, oh, the question, by the way, was uh, a movie that takes place in approximately 72 hours or less. Um, and uh, one, one of the answers that we got was, uh, was Wonder Boys, one of my favorite movies. And uh, didn't even think of it. So, a great job. Um, I believe it was Jarv that said that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. Okay. Um, but we we got some other really great answers. Um, we got... 
Groundhog's and, Day by Varys was rather yeah Groundhog's Day mind blowing um yeah, and <laughs> um District Nine by Jarv another good answer um Clerks yeah. Clerks good answer a, yeah it was a big uh, wide open topic it was it was a pretty good question I was, yeah, it was a little wider than than I even expected it to be to be honest uh, Die Hard came up I I, I did uh, I I I'm I don't want to you know floss myself a whole lot but it was pretty sweet it was. <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, uh, KPW did back my choice, so that's two votes for one eight, one movie. So like I win, kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. Now, well, all right. Maybe we have a uh, going yet. Uh, brings us to our new Parker Posey, which is James. Go for it, dude. All right. Um, this one I just thought of uh, today, but uh, really liked the question, so got my answer, and uh, hopefully you guys will like it. Um, the question is, if your life was plotted on a timeline with movies. Jesus. What five films would you use as points on that timeline, and what do they represent? Are you serious? I can't answer this. Oh, Jesus. Okay, go ahead. And it could be as simple as something as like, oh, I watched this movie and discovered Jujubes, and they're my new favorite. You know, whatever, some important, you know, moments in your movie-watching history. And I'm saying five films. I know it's going to be hard to come up with that many on the fly, so if we want to do three between you guys, that's fine with me. But uh, here's my answer. Um, I'll start with The Sting. The Sting uh, was the movie that I credit with starting my love for movies, so that would be on there and probably towards the beginning. Um, My second movie is Return of the Jedi. Uh, That movie was pretty much my first event movie. I remember standing in line, you know, listening to everyone talk excitingly, you know, waiting to be let in. So that was my first, you know, theater experience of, you know, big event stuff. Um, my third one is Porky's. That was the first one I remember seeing uh, uh, nudity in. Um, <laughs> and I watched it over and over and over again. Um, Raiders Lost Ark. That was my big true love moment as far as uh, falling in love with a movie. And then uh, Days of Thunder, my first movie. Well, I'm sorry, my first date movie ever. So these don't ha- these don't have to be chronological. If you yeah you, no, they're just supposed to mark important parts of your life. Like I, if I had to do another one, I might do Almost Famous because it was the first time I saw a movie by myself, and that was kind of enjoyable. So I kind of it was an important part, <laughs> an important thing. Um, all right, uh, right. So I'm just going to start rambling, and you can stop me whenever you want, uh, which would be now. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> stop, Greg, stop. Really early movie. Let's see. I would say the thing I remember watching the most when I was young, like this is just, this sticks in my head. I don't know. It was never a good Disney movie, but it was uh, – oh, I don't even remember the name of it. What was the name – where they had the Sherlock, the Disney Sherlock Holmes, the Great with, Mouse Detective. Yes, the Great Mouse Detective. We watched that constantly, and even though I didn't remember the name of it, I loved watching that movie. But now that I look back at it, I don't know why I ever watched that movie. Um, watched it constantly. That was like my, I guess that would be the symbol of my my childhood, uh, my very early youth. Um, remembered. Goonies has to be on the timeline. Has to be just because we'd watch it constantly. A, but B, it didn't wasn't far off from resembling our household of just how many people go through that place 
and there just seems to be somebody coming in with a different story constantly back at the house. Like for those that don't don't have my biography from Wikipedia yet, um, which I, come, I will be writing immediately <laughs> after the show ends. <laughs> um, I come from a family of uh, eight siblings, so and they're all pretty close to age. So we had just an array of people in the house at any one time, just talking about different shit. Like I would be nine, and there'd be like my older brothers. Um, with their older siblings talking about like cussing and talking about sex and stuff, and I'd be like, "Whoa, this is crazy stuff." Yeah. Anyways, Goonies is on there. So uh, I'm like your brand. Yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. much. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? That's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm Mike. Except for nobody ever tried to kill you because you were riding a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, yeah, this is tough. I do want to point out this is this is an important, and this might be your guys's. Uh, the 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 thing you guys the answer you guys have been looking for the first horror movie that I remember getting into um, getting into to the fact that it's just funny to watch it was Leprechaun two and that when was when realized, I realized joy out of it that's when I realized we can watch these movies and like I I was freaked to all hell from Child's Play when I was young so I can I never watched Child's Play. Um, but I realized that we could watch these movies and just laugh at them. And that's that's some point in my, you know, I, I never went back into them until I was like 17 or 18. And then I just went and watched all those stupid movies and, and, and loved them to death. That's um, a good one. I, I don't know. That's that that's going to be, I don't, I'll think, I'll keep like thinking said, about Jeff. three is probably enough yeah, for the off-the-cuff ones. So. Boom. All right. So, uh, gotta start with Mary Poppins. Okay. Um, I, I, I must have watched that movie once a day for six years of my life. Like, I might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but, um, somebody threw that movie in recently, and I know I hadn't seen it in probably at least 18 years, and I could almost go line for line with it still. That, that's how many times I watched Mary Poppins, Poppins as a kid. Um, I, I kind of want to throw in, um, Willy Wonka is my next big like uh, big movement, but I'm gonna skip it just just because. So no Willy Wonka, but a honorable mention. I'm gonna go straight to Fight Club. Okay. Um, Fight Club, my senior year of high school, pretty much defined my existence. I watched that movie a lot of times, and really, um, it was my introduction to, uh, to 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 film as a as a bigger than entertainment media i guess you could say or uh, vaster than entertainment media I, I got a lot of uh a lot of worldview out of it and a lot of i, I thought it was very interesting just the the, uh, the the worldview that it represented anyway um followed by high fidelity um because i uh got really deep into music and i and you know it's a cool movie and all that uh followed by rushmore um because uh, that that started my whole Wes and well I shouldn't say started but that is representative of my whole Wes Anderson phase and um, kind of just uh, represents is still a huge part of my my worldview involving irony and um, uh, understatement and and I think a lot of my sense of humor is derived from that type of thing and um, I, I I absolutely love the plot obviously and. I, I think that it, it film the, the, the sort of film as art thing came from that as well, um, and then uh, finally um, in my 
you know ancient years i would say uh wonder boys uh, in that it is uh it's 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 just a very nice uh, easy to watch, easy to get enjoyment out of, uh, deep enough to feel good about yourself. Uh, the laughs aren't the, the laughs are easy, um, but the, the, it, there's also a certain uh, a sense of um, uh, d- deeper emotion to it as well. Not not nothing trite about it whatsoever. And I, and I, I hope that I've come to a point in my life where where the simple things give me pleasure as lo- as well as the uh, complicated things now in my old age. Does that does that hate to ruin the the nice things you just said? But does Wonder Boys represent your alcoholic period? You know, I think my alcoholic period started pretty much with Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and Fight Club also represented this. Um, the only other thing that I could think of that I sort of got a hint of it from Jeff's was um, when I had a, I had a film class at school. Uh, at a, in college, and we ended up watching Judgment at Nuremberg, and a lot of those movies, we watched a lot of, I watched a lot of film movies, uh, I guess, film movies, film movies. Did you yeah. eat some nutrition food while you Yeah, were I know, I know, well, what I, what I should have said was, I had a couple film classes, and they were on different things, one was film and law, and this was why I watched it, um, but the, the cool thing about that movie, and, and what it made me think, sort of like what Jeff mentioned, is, um, Watching a movie that ends up just sort of giving you a life lesson, like this is how the world should work. I think this movie's, you know, this movie takes a real, you know, a real event and dramatizes it for us. But when you watch it, you end up walking away thinking, you know what, I'm going to think like that movie, like that. I'm going to apply that to my life. And that was one of those movies. That was one of the first movies I saw that where, like, you know what, I. I really think I can take a lesson from this and and use it and like I think yours was sort of like sort of Fight Club where you're like that, that I sort of got it you that mindset sort of defined what I don't I, I guess I might be putting words in your mouth but um, that's what that movie was to me and I, I think it was that was probably the first for me so and that was that was pretty late in, late in the game too that was I think like my third year at school so we're getting close to present but. I guess it's been like seven years or something, but yeah. Tough question. Tough question. Yeah, that's four movies. So I'm 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 done with that though. Four movies. That, that's all I got. Great. Intense. I don't know. Uh, yeah, answering those on the fly is not easy. I'm sure we're gonna get some pretty intense answers on the boards. Um, probably the longest responses too, because that's gonna take some take some time. Um, yeah. So can you phrase your question one last time? Uh, yeah. If uh, your life was plotted on a timeline with movies. Uh, what movies would you choose to represent your life, and what do they represent? I'm ballparking around five movies, but whatever. And we're also looking for uh, oh, shit. I should have put Ferris in there someplace. <laughs> we're already looking for extra credit points for an actual timeline too. If you want, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to put the graphic up there, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. Uh, but yeah, another another super long uh, movie hour episode in the bag, guys. Congratulations. Uh, again, uh, March Madness Movie Matchup Month. Good times. And, uh, yeah, thank you both for your input. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Drive safe. <laughs> go Make sure to go uh, support your uh, alpha, alma. I almost called it alpha monitors. I can't even talk. My nose is stuffed. I'm half drunk. Man. It's the a rough bitch life. fest begins. It's a rough Usually life. it's at the beginning of the movie hour that you start with this shit. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, take care, everyone. The Roger Moore Final Four Movie Hour. See ya. I think I'll I'm, make I'm gonna try and don't tell Greg. Greg, you there? Don't tell Greg. Um, but I want to. Uh, I want to tell him that I want to go first, and I want to jump in and snipe 2012 from him. <laughs> nice. Actually, I am here. But... Shit! You're a rotten son of a bitch. Actually, I was responding when you said, "Are you there?" But I had to be on of I was like, "Wait, you can't." There goes, there goes the comedy in this show. Yeah, I'm honestly, I try and I try and I try to make this show entertaining, and you guys just fuck me at every turn. So I hope you're happy. Greg. That would have been funny. Yeah, it would have been. It's Demi Moore. All right, fine. God damn it, Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Got him <laughs> sides. <laughs> We're never going to remember these. You got it, dude.